0: This is Hardwood Handicappers, Veasan's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. Yo, what up, folks? Welcome in. It is Hardwood Handicappers early week edition. Jonathan Von Tobel with a uh, with a guest today, uh, Kelly Bidlin. So, um, hey,
2: happy to uh, join the show, John. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, <laughs> man, of course. So I, I think we should start with this. Um, so the new schedule gets unveiled at Visa. This is the first week of the new schedule, right? I'm not, I'm not blowing yeah. any minds here. Okay, uh, sorry, I've been on vacation for the last week, so um, no, that's cool. At least out of studio, you,
2: you and everybody else, yeah.
0: Um, so part of the new schedule, it's not just on air stuff. It is, of course, podcasting. We unveiled the Visa in, uh, Hockey Betting Pod uh, last mm-hmm. week. the uh, The newest addition to the Long Shots crew has been you and Matt Brown. That was unveiled a couple of weeks ago. And as part of the revamp podcast lineup, as well as a a baseball betting podcast, which is coming. Sorry, I'm going to break the news on that one. It's on the way. I don't know if it started yet, but I know Adam going to be a big part of that. And I have thrown my hat in the ring to do it too. Um, I unfortunately am getting excited for the Angel season. That will ultimately end in flames. (laughs) Um, Part of the news podcasting setup is going to be more Hardwood Handicappers. Three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Kelly's going to be along for the ride for two of those episodes. And on top of that... Uh, we're going to have a little bit more regularity when it comes to time and day. So these are going to come out early mornings from now on. Uh, they're going to be a little bit of what we've been usually doing, but also with a little bit more emphasis on previewing the day's action as well. So we'll have a little bit more of a different vibe. And then once we get to the postseason, Kelly and I have discussed off air that we're going to add some live stuff, incorporate some of that as we get closer to the postseason or into the postseason. But new version of Harvard Handicapper. So look for it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. How you feeling, buddy?
2: I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I guess I'm glad you updated the audience on that. Look for it around this time every week going forward. Although we should say, that both of us were probably going to get called into duty for fill-in activities like you are at the end of this
0: the week. the first week, right. I was going to say, <laughs> so, the first week so, of our new schedule, and we've already got to adjust because I'm doing Lombardi line the rest exactly. of the week. Exactly, yeah.
2: So the end of this week might be a little funky, but as John said, look for this in weeks to come to be on that Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Try to get it out, you know, uh, depending where you are, East Coast, West Coast, early afternoon, uh, East Coast, or late morning uh, or late morning here on the West Coast. Get ready for games that we are looking at, you know, that
0: evening. Yes, we will er severe. Because I'm looking to avoid that letter between O and N or M, so whatever. R. So <laughs> like, uh, we Ur- we're going to severe We're going to ursevere We're going to persevere through. Jamie a tough G doesn't have
2: his windscreen today. He's very concerned about his
0: peas popping. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's an audio thing. I'm a radio guy. You know, I came up through radio. Right, That's what I wanted to do. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal for our listening audience. Uh, I'm sure they care about it. All right. So. Uh, With that, let's get into what we saw yesterday. I I thought, look, it it was arguably, and we always do this right with anything because it was the most recent thing we saw, arguably one of the best days of the schedule uh, in the NBA yesterday. We had four prime, prime primetime games um, that were all fantastic and involved a lot of dramatics in almost every single one of them. And we had a bunch of one-score games. We had an overtime game that ended in a dud because the Clippers couldn't keep it together. Uh, So I wanted to start there. And I just ask you, I guess, Kelly, like from the four primetime games that we saw from any of the contests that we saw on Sunday, which was absolutely loaded, uh, what stuck out to you the most? Because I know there were a couple for me, but what stuck out to you the most in terms of the results we saw on Sunday?
2: Man, I think the uh yeah, that's a that, that's a broad question because I think you're right. You could go a lot of different places with this, but I'll go the the Lakers comeback slash yeah. Mavericks collapse, right? I think that's I think that's gotta be the biggest story because we've talked about We've talked often about how wide open this Western Conference is. And man, I, I watched the first quarter of that game. Uh, watched the first quarter of that game, JVT, then checked back in about the third quarter. I was like, oh, okay, like the Mavericks dominating, dominating, dominating. Um, and maybe this Lakers team isn't going to be as good as I actually thought they're go- they are going to be. I, I, I mean, I, I know we've said it a bunch. I was blown away actually at what it, what they were able to pull off at the trade deadline. I think the way they revamped this team mm-hmm. is really, really gonna make them I, I think they're gonna be in this, in this conversation down the stretch. I really do think that. I think that people need to we've been kind of ripping Anthony Street Close Davis and a bunch of things the Lakers have done over the past year or so. I think we need to start coming around to the idea that in this big of this wide open of a Western conference, it is not silly to think that the Lakers have a real chance here.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think first off, there's a reason why you and I during the uh, NBA trade deadline podcast, right? We came away with two bets, and one of them was the Los Angeles Lakers to the very least make the playoffs in the range of about plus 190, Uh, by the way, to make the playoffs. Now that price for the Los Angeles Lakers, I think we're looking at, let's see, minus 110. So hopefully you grab that because uh, this team is starting to climb its way up. And the important part for the Lakers, Kelly, even if you don't really believe in what's happening, um, what's happening around them is even more important because the teams that are in front of them keep losing. That's the important part about it. Uh, The teams that are directly in front of them are kind of failing at this point right now. Uh, The New Orleans Pelicans are sliding a little bit. They've lost three straight. The Timberwolves have lost three consecutive games. Clippers are slipping. Mavericks, who they just beat, are slipping. They gained a full game on them. So while they are right now one full game back out of New Orleans, and for our listening audience – because you know, I had somebody tweet at me, uh, we were bringing up the Suns, right? And the fact that they had jumped to minus 175 to win the Pacific Division. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, they're two games behind. Like, And somebody's like, they can make that up in their sleep. Like, don't sleep <laughs> on one or two games. Like, remember, the other teams playing games while you're playing games as well. So if they just keep winning, it's going to be a little bit harder to get there. That's the thing that's working for the Lakers now, who are minus 110 to get to the playoffs. The teams in front of them are crumbling to a certain extent. So, no, I would agree with you. And, I think what's been surprising, and I wrote about this uh, in the column yesterday, was like some of those lineups that you see out there, I think the one it's uh, D'Angelo Russell, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Vanderbilt, and Beasley, the defensive numbers that they're putting up are a lot better than I thought, you know, And, and we'll see as we move forward if that really keeps up. It's ultimately a small sample size, but even in that game against the Mavericks, like they ultimately end up Mavericks with just an offensive rating of 106 in that game, like that's, it's a, It was a pretty good defensive effort overall, I thought, from the Lakers, and I think that is what surprised me. I I thought that this this spike was going to be from their offense, not their defense. Me, me too.
2: Me too. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, right? has got to be a big. He's a big part of that for sure. Um, I I just pulled up some of these numbers, and that's that's what I was going to bring up, man. Like just looking at the past nine games, this teams five and four. Uh, I'm over at Cleaning Glass, so plus one point three, uh, differential there overall. And then you're talking about the 21st best offense uh, points per 100 possessions during that time, seventh best defense. So I'm I'm with you. I think that, look, I think that's an even bigger sign of maybe the Lakers for the for real, because I'm with you. I think I, I would have expected to see a bigger offensive output from this kind of new lineup, new unit that they have more so than a defensive burst, at least to begin with. So, um, look, I mean, I think the fact that if the defense is coming along before the offense, that's something that usually you can say about any sport. But, you know, basketball is definitely one of them. But if that—if it's going to be if they're going to have a top 10 defense, then yeah. look, this team is definitely for real.
0: And, and they have the ability to they're switchable they can switch, especially with AD at the five. They can switch one through five. And yes, like I mean, one through five, because will you have a mismatch? On a literal one and five switch, of course, but like the, yeah. the, the point is, is like you can feel comfortable switching and doing a whole bunch of stuff defensively. It's a really interesting group that they have out there, and that'll be fascinating as we kind of move forward if those defensive returns are going to be real. So uh, for the Lakers, you know, I, I figure they might be a little bit of an undervalued team, as we talked about, to make it to the playoffs. That has come to fruition, and now they have won and covered four out of five games and have been looking pretty darn good in the process of doing that, and that stretches to before the All-Star break. So we'll see if that's going to be the case. But some of the defensive returns, you mentioned the defensive ratings and being able to hold their opponents to really mundane offensive ratings so far. And to do that against Dallas, which going into that game, for those who don't know, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic on the floor together, an offensive rating of 134. Like, it was incredible what they were able to do, and and they stymied them after that first quarter.
2: Can I ask you about another team? I'm going to ask you about another team that we've been –
0: Really quick before we move yeah, on because yeah, I wanted to ask you. So from the Mavericks' perspective, because we're going forward with this, yeah, like, as we're talking about them, there's been a lot. There's a lot more noise now coming out of Dallas. It's already early, but Jason Kidd's already calling Luka Doncic out. You know, in terms of maturity yeah. and getting involved in the whistle. Um, You saw at the end of the game the disconnect. We've seen now two end-of-game scenarios where Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic have looked really disconnected. It was the Minnesota game, if you remember, where they couldn't get a shot off. They just kept playing hot potato with it. Yeah,
2: they kept passing it back and forth.
0: And they never got a shot off in a one-score game. And then the same thing here. I don't know if you watched the end of it, but there's a a situation where they're down by three, and Luka Doncic doesn't realize that Kyrie Irving is going to inbound it into the backcourt. So Doncic thinks that he has oh God, to save it. I didn't it. see the end of the yeah. game. So, so Doncic, they're down by three with like 18 seconds left or something. Kyrie throws the ball into the backcourt because he's like, all right, you know, you can go get it. You, know, so you can get yeah. space from Vanderbilt. Doncic just completely forgets that he can legally go into the backcourt. And Kelly, he dies to save it and throws it into the frontcourt. And Kyrie's like, what are you doing? And ultimately, <laughs> oh, Anthony God. Davis steals it. And it leads to the you know, Lakers kind of salting that thing away. But... I don't I'm not not a doomsday scenario, but it's just going to be interesting going forward because like the offensive numbers, you know, have looked pretty good. We'll call it like between the 20s to use a football reference. right? Right. But in these crunch time scenarios, we have now seen that there's been a little disconnect between those two. And I think it's something you expect, but it's something to watch going forward as more noise is coming out of Jason Kidd.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and look, I think I was surprised at it, at it, it seeing and hearing some of the post game stuff as much as anything from from yeah. kid yesterday, right? Where, yeah, I think you're right. We're starting to boil over a little bit in Dallas. Of, you know, hey, what you have, we think you have a top five player in the world on your team. I, I mean, and now you Kyrie, I mean, we're you know, I don't I don't know where. I, we're not we're not going to get in an argument about rankings but it's top 15 for sure in the and the NBA right you have two top 15 players in the NBA mm. on your in your starting lineup how can you not get you know how can you not win with this team those start, those questions are going to start to be asked and it's they're fair right and i don't know if it's i don't know if it's coaching issues it's always been roster construction issues to me for for this team but look i think that they're trying right like i don't want to like, I don't necessarily blame the Mavs like front office for what they've done over the past few years. It's it's kinda like, hey, Luca, like I, I think they're giving him a lot of freedom in the in these decisions too, and a lot a lot of input in these decisions. And they Luca and them have not been able to figure out what the right pieces are to put around him to get the job done. And I think the easy way out is to add somebody with the talent level of Kyrie Irving, but I mean Man, we talked about this team last year. It just—it feels a lot like the same team from a year ago. But you've got a slightly better player. You know, you are not slightly. You have a better player than Brunson and Kyrie Irving. But I don't really know if that makes a difference at the end of the day.
0: And as we've noted here, you're much worse defensively. That's you're, the other much worse defensively. You, you're much worse. You're much yeah. worse defensively than you were last season, and that makes a really big difference. We should also know coming out of this game too. Uh, LeBron James did injure his other foot or ankle. Uh, actually, at one point, yeah. Kelly, I don't know if you saw him too. He he mentioned when he was on the floor after he injured it. I heard it pop, uh, but he did play the rest of the game. Ended up playing 37 minutes. Was on the floor in crunch time, so uh, I'm sure the Lakers will just continue to play games to the status. He'll probably be listed as questionable for every game down the stretch, and I, we'll just I'm, have to monitor that. So
2: I'm guessing you're right. And look, is he going to miss a couple? Probably, but it, I, yep. at least from some of the stuff I sa- said uh, saw today, it doesn't sound like it's too serious.
0: Yeah, no, and their their schedule going forward too. Um, the, the spot to watch is actually going to be their next sequence. They have a two-game road, uh, their little swing. Uh, they're in Memphis on Tuesday. Then they play a second leg of a back-to-back in Oklahoma City on Wednesday. Uh, maybe LeBron, this is one of those games, I would assume. And uh, maybe it's going to be the Oklahoma City Thunder, but who knows, because that is actually a more important game than the Memphis game. Even though they're both Western Conference opponents, you, yeah. need, to gain a, you, you need to gain a game on Oklahoma City. Uh, so we'll see if that's going to be the case. But an interesting um, back-to-back coming up Tuesday, Wednesday for Memphis or excuse me for Los Angeles taking on Memphis and Oklahoma City. All right, what was the team you were going to ask me about before I cut you off?
2: Yeah, the uh, okay. So another team we I think we need to circle back to, and some someone at some point is probably going to have to put me in my place on this one, but it is the Pelicans. They they are they are looking dreadful. Yeah. But JVT, I stand by what we've kept saying, where I'm not going to count this team out when helping. they don't have the collection of Zion, CJ McCollum, and Brandon Ingram all on the court, and we haven't seen that. In what two months now, or whatever it's been. Yeah. Um, I, I there, there's two thoughts in my mind now at this point. It's still that of look, if those guys, those three are on the court, we saw how good this team could be at the beginning of the year, we saw it, but now I'm also seeing this team week after week look <laughs> atrocious, atrocious, right? So I, I'm asking you, at what point do I need to get off of my high horse and accept that the Pelicans are not going to be a factor <laughs> ever again?
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I think that you, I don't know. I, I think you, you wait till Zion comes back. Like, it's one of those things where, like, again, like the, the thing you just keep pointing back to is like, look, Zion hasn't been playing. And he hasn't maybe- played then maybe that's the argument, right? Cause he had a setback and that's going to be an issue for him. Like his health is a problem. And the fact that he suffers a setback in recovery is not very good. So maybe that is ultimately what you point to, to get you off of your position of, you know, the Pelicans are going to be a lot better than you think they are, but that is the one fallback you have. They have not been full. Like for example, to tie in another team, right? Like, and I've been thinking more and more about this with the, when when it comes to Los Angeles Clippers, like for me, Right. I'm not like beating my chest like the team, the best team in the Western Conference is the Clippers. But they yeah. were my prediction to win the West. I'm not going to come off of it because why would I? You know, if the season is underway. It was the prediction that I had. And I've got a ticket on to win the finals at a couple of different prices. But at the same time, like there's highs and lows and there's moments that you can see. Like the mm-hmm. difference between you and me is you haven't seen the iteration of the team that you believe in yet. I'm seeing all sorts of different iterations of the Clippers and they're failing to close out some of these games. And I'm thinking more and more like eh, like. Like at some okay. point, guys, you got to do something here. Same thing with Ty Lube. So to kind of bring it back to your original point, I would say don't because you at least have like the the white whale of Zion Williamson coming back at some point.
2: I, okay. That's a great point. And I think we can transition it to the Clippers then because I, I mean, dude, I've, I've thought the same thing, right? I, I, I kind of agree with you that they were my pick to win the West before the season, I don't really know why I would change that right now, just because we do, I I do think the West is that wide open, mm-hmm. but man, like you said, they've had some rough go uh, outings here uh, too, and they don't really have any excuses, right? Like you said, the Pelicans can make these excuses. I I don't I don't the Clippers at some point I think you would I just think you would like to see a stretch of really good basketball before we get into the playoffs, right? right. And I don't know that we're gonna see
0: that. So I was DMing with Chad Andrews the other day. Chad, who was on the podcast the other day, who works for One Hundred Four Point Three out in Denver, Mm. and we were talking about like because he was asking me like like what is going on? We were we were DMing after the Sacramento game, the ridiculous Friday night contest where they give up over one hundred and seventy points in a double overtime loss. They blow what was it? They were they up fourteen in the last four minutes and they blew that and ultimately uh, went to double overtime. Um, like, what's going on with this team defensively. And like I told him, I'm like, I want to say, and I think it's a fair thing to say, like, Ty is clearly tinkering with stuff, right? The closing lineup at the end of regulation against Sacramento was not the same closing lineup that he used at the end of the game against Denver and in overtime against Denver. Having said that, like, if you're Ty there are some things that are staring you in the face that he refuses to see. Marcus Morris is not good anymore. Marcus Morris got lost on multiple defensive possessions in transition that allowed wide-open three-point shots. He, all of a sudden, for some reason, they got Eric Gordon, Kelly. All of a sudden, Norm Powell's not in the closing lineups anymore for the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, Gordon closed out the game in regulation last night and was in overtime. He was atrocious. He was not visible on offense. He missed an open three. And defensively, I don't know if you remember this play in overtime, where Jamal Murray comes down the floor. Nobody's on him because Eric Gordon's just standing there watching him and doesn't want to close out on him. Like... I don't know what Ty is doing. The other thing too, like Westbrook, we could talk about like what we've seen from him. I think he's been fine, right? He's been okay. He had some yeah. moments against the Kings that weren't very good. Overall, he's been like average. But like these, like I wrote about this and I put this up on Twitter. The statistical returns with Trey Mann at point guard, or Terrence Mann at point guard, and Kawhi Leonard to Paul George have been incredible. And they had they put those three out there in that lineup near the like middle of the fourth quarter. It's when the Clippers went on their run and took a lead. And then he takes Terrence Mann out of the game and puts in Aaron Gordon, and you're like, what are we doing here, man? So, like, I think he's tinkering, and I think there's going to be changes for this Clippers team because he's trying to find out who can close his games out, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, like, you got 20 games left. At some yeah. point, you stop tinkering and you go, all right, these are our guys. Let's go. And it hasn't been the case for him.
2: Well, I think the other concerning part of that is, like, look, I'm okay with I'm okay with the idea of you tinkering with lineups when you just made as many trades as they did, right? But why the hell are you tinkering with Norman Powell? And I know you and I might be a little biased because we have tickets on the guy. but Kelly, he's but averaging th- 20 points a game in exactly. February. I don't think I'm being biased in saying that Norman Powell is one of the most proven commodities you have on the team
0: this season. So then, why are you messing with the way you utilize him? And then last night, they go down by 8 in overtime with two and a half minutes left. He's like, all right, I'll put Powell back out there. And it's like, what are you doing? It's what already gone by doing, now. Man? It's way right, too so I'm late. I'm going to bring this time.
2: up real Bring us up real quick. I saw this from Jay Croucher earlier from uh, over at NBC Sports Edge. Clippers new starting lineup with Westbrook has a minus twenty four point three net rating through two games, only twenty three minutes.
0: So too little of a sample size for you, still. I'm guessing. Yeah, and I also like, like I said, like I I think we're getting too much. Westbrook's obviously a punching bag. I think it's a little too easy to go straight for that. Like, did he have seven turnovers in the first game against Sacramento, and did he lose Malik Monk on what was ultimately the tying three that sent it to overtime? Yes, like he did. Those are two very true things. But also against Denver, he was part of the reason why they got back into that game. He has created a lot of good wide-open looks, and actually has been facilitating almost to a detriment. Like, he's been passing up some wide-open looks to give the ball up to others, which I think is relatively solid because I think that's what you want from him. Look, he's Russell Westbrook. I think yeah. his blemishes are a little better covered, and it's with a team like the Los Angeles Clippers. But to look at the last two games and go <laughs> Westbrook, I, I think you haven't been watching what has happened with the Clippers over the last two games.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing that stood out to me watching him yesterday play was the look. I, I think it, I think it's you know whatever you want to say about the guy, whether you think he makes his team better or not. He attacks the rim in just a way. He still attacks the rim better than most of the guys that they have on that team. You know, I mean, it can draw draw defenses, draw coverages when he goes and attacks the rim. I think it could open up some things. I, I'm still very wishy-washy on what I think about that move overall. But like, that's just a fact. You just don't have you don't have a ton of guys on that team that are able to get to the rim. Yeah, in right. and, and cause disruption in the defense, and just the fact that he could do that, even I mean, look, I think I saw him miss a couple layups yesterday, too. Yes, but he it, did. Yep. I think you know, you're just getting there is drawing defenses in at least, right? And it makes more room for some of these jump shooters, especially if you're going to see Kawhi sp- pull up for mid range more and more often, right? You need to collapse that defense. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I think that's one thing that, you know, that I've noticed that really stands out so far.
0: And, and I think from a betting perspective, as we kind of tie it back to what we're you know, always talking about here. You know, With the Clippers, it's going to be hard to lay numbers with them because they're going to be in a lot of these high-volatility games. Their defense since the start of January is about 20th or lower in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. I don't know if that's a result of them tinkering with stuff, but their offense has been much better. They've been a little bit more of an over-team as we move forward here into the season. So that's going to be something to monitor again here as well. And maybe over the last 20 games, the lineups solidify. And when you start to see the same – like this would be like my thing is if you start to see the same lineups in the last four minutes of these games – That's going to be the time to start betting on the Clippers because that's when they're going to start to build some continuity. But for right now, for whatever reason, Ty Lue continues to tinker, and I think it's been um, it's been a little troubling to lay some big numbers. Right? They closed what seven against the Kings um, on on Friday, and I was on Lombardi line on Sunday, and I noted to them I was like, you know, this number opening up two and a half like that would tell you because we've been using three for home court this year that the market's saying the Clippers are rating as the better team. Market has some respect for the Clippers, but it's almost a little too much. Uh, over these last few weeks, and you saw that really play out. I think from a betting perspective, uh, in the last two games for them. All right, uh, before we go to Quinn Snyder, anything else from Sunday that you wanted to hit on?
2: No, I think I covers it. Dame Lillard's awesome. Uh, I don't think yep. we need to say much more than that. But you know, an am- amazing scoring performance by him, um, and yeah, some great games yesterday. Great. Right.
0: Did he go over his point total prop? I think he did. You know, what's incredible. I, yep. I saw this pointed out again, going back to our guy, uh, my guy Chad Andrews. I think he pointed out in game, uh, like or well, might have been another Denver guy. But regardless, like after, I think it was at halftime, did Lillard have 41 at halftime, something like that? I didn't even see, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't even know what was going on until the third quarter. I, I
2: flipped I, on it like the end of the third quarter. I was like, oh, Dame's having himself a game. Got it.
0: I got it. Let me double check. Cause I think what, I think at one point, I think it was halftime and he had 41 and the in-game adjusted player prop for him scoring wise was like 53. <laughs> oh God. Like it was only yeah. like 53. <laughs> and it was like, well, okay. You get yeah, those that are there's going to be... Right. I mean, like there's going to be something in terms of regression, but like that seems like a little low.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with, I mean, look, those are, those are always, all, almost always the sweet moments to, you know, bet live, right? Even though yeah. it's kind of that mid, mid, late second quarter, uh, beginning of third quarter. I think you, I, when I talk about sides and live betting sides, it's usually the range that I'm looking in. But I think we don't really have the luxury the rest of the country does with live player props like that. But yeah, man, I think those are yeah. things to look at around those times too.
0: Yeah, so he had he had 41 points in 19 minutes, and the in-game over/under for his scoring was 53 and shaded to the over at minus 125. So <laughs> yeah, interesting. I would be hammering that. Yeah, yeah, seemed a little <laughs> Easy short. Easy to say now, I
2: know, but yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: even at the time, I was like, "That's if I'm not in California, I think I would love to have access to that." Uh, all right, we move on really quickly. Just wanted to hit the fact that uh, the Atlanta Hawks, who have, by the way, this is definitely worth noting because we're going to talk about the Heat because the Heat have a game tonight. Um, the heat are kind of falling apart, but don't look now mm. Hawks okay, are closing so- the gap, baby. You and Let's I both as a uh, Hawks division winner tickets in our pockets. Now just a one game deficit between them and Miami. Uh, they have won their last two games or six and four in their last 10 and the debut of their new head coach, Quinn Snyder, apparently going to happen maybe as soon as Tuesday. So wanted to point that out. It's a five-year deal for Snyder. Uh, all the rumors are that he was just, they, they wanted him and he goes, I want everything. And uh, he said, yes. So, Snyder's going to make his debut we'll see if that makes any real changes I would take you back two years ago for those who don't remember uh, one of the reasons why I fell in love with the Minnesota Timberwolves because Chris Finch came in that year in a very similar situation It was middle of the season and then completely changed things the way that he wanted them to and the the Timberwolves that season ended on a really hot run and ultimately went in and then got to the playoffs and we know it's happened since then but this has the potential maybe for Snyder to come in and make this Hawks team finish at a really solid run here. If he implements his stuff. So we'll see if that's the case, but Snyder is going to make his debut. It seems like this week.
2: Yeah. My, my, my only question on this is what the hell took so long, right? This is, and and I love all the quotes coming out, you know, kind of after the signing of like, Hey, we wanted to get him in here early enough to be able to kind of tinker with the team and get the, get us in a position to make a run at the playoffs and then in the playoffs. And we're like, you know we we're, we're we're hearing about these reports of Trey Young and Nate McMillan going at each other for what two months you yep. know two months ago it's i mean me, me and you brought this up in freaking december it's like what the hell took so long i, I mean yeah I, do i think he can be good for this team yes do i think any kind of change could have been good for this team yes um so i'm not going to i'm not going to go crazy over the the name that they're bringing in but because in my opinion, this Atlanta team has—they have enough freaking talent. They just haven't been able to right. figure out how to put this all together yet, for yeah, whatever I mean, damn reason.
0: The inconsistency has just been wild. Like that's yes. that to me, that's that's the thing that you've got to really fix here. One night your offense will be incredible, but your defense will give up everything. The next night your defense will be great, but your offense cannot find any sort of consistency. Um, these lineups where it's just solo Trey or solo Dejounte Murray have been very inconsistent, both offensively and defensively, uh, for the respective players. So. We will see what that is going to be going forward. And I wanted to bring this up, too, because it ties into a little bit of what we'll see later today. But I want to make sure I have this right because the The division is a really interesting thing now. What's that?
2: So the Heat just suck. They they are trash. I don't care if we I don't care if I lose some of these Hawks bets or even my stupid random magic to win the division bet. The whole handicap was based around the market was wrong because the Miami Heat are not that good.
0: Yes, so we'll get to that momentarily. I just wanted to point out Miami six hardest strength of schedule left according to Tankathon. Atlanta fifteenth. So with a okay. new coach, an easier schedule, and only a one game deficit, we are not dead when it comes to the uh, the Atlanta Hawks in the Southwest, the Southeast, Go Southeast ahead. division. All right, we'll take our let's take our break real quick. On the other side, we'll uh, we'll tie in these four games that we have on the card later today. We also have some awards markets that we want to hit on uh, in terms of some of the adjustments. But let's build on that Miami thing. Because not only, Kelly, is this Miami team in the midst of a pretty bad skid right now, both straight up and against the spread, but the market refuses to acknowledge just what this team is.
1: Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
0: All right, back on Hardwood Handicappers. So let's let's talk a little bit about Miami here. Uh, This is fascinating. So the Miami Heat, Kelly, and I've been writing about this for the last couple of days. Let me make sure I, I'm going to pull up my notes so I can give you the exact numbers. Because I'm a pro. I want to give you the exact exact uh, You're a professional. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm trying to eliminate. I, I'm not that much a professional. I'm trying to eliminate a uh, for my repertoire. So it's like one of my big crutches. <laughs> I, th-
2: I, think, I think we all are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. It's one of my big crutches. And I'm trying to really get away from it. So, And I was about to say it right now. So what I wrote about here was, let's go back to Saturday for the Heat. They opened as four and a half point favorites over the Hornets in Charlotte. Get that mm-hmm. up to six. Lose the game outright. Game before that, get bet up by a point. Lose the game outright. We have them again here on the road against the Philadelphia 76ers. Keep in mind that the Heat now one at eight against the spread in their last nine games and a league worst to 28-30 21-38 and two against the spread that is a cover rate of 35.6% on the season. That wouldn't really stick out a whole bunch if it wasn't a team that the Betty Market bet on almost every given night, Kelly. And again, here today. You're looking at this game against the Philadelphia 76ers, and like, what's the initial move this morning? It was five and a half in a couple of spots. We're back to six, which was the opening number. But I was like, and I wrote about it in the column today. I was like, there's no there is no way that this market essentially is betting Miami again because it just cannot understand that wherever they have this team rated, for whatever reason, it is not as good as the market thinks it is.
2: Yeah, so, um, and, and shoot, maybe this can even bring our conversation about tonight's games uh, to start. This is the only thing that stood out to me tonight. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 look. Am I laying five and a half six points with with the Sixers? Yeah, and I haven't bet it yet. But this is a massive. I I, I th- right now it's a massive mismatch. I think the only the only thing worth bringing up. You broke down. Uh, you broke down their numbers well. What they've uh, what they've done. I'll I'll cut them a little bit of slack and say besides that Hornets game, pretty much every one of your losses over the past couple weeks or the whole entire month of February are to pretty good teams. I, I will give them that, but still a lot of the advance but your only wins are Orlando, Houston, and Indiana. You know yeah. what I mean? so congratulations. I, I don't think we're gonna give you a trophy for that. Um, but if we just look at you know, looking at uh, cleaning the glass right now, and it's okay, so Philadelphia <laughs> Philadelphia last ten games seven seven and three, plus five point one differential, points per one hundred possessions. And we look at Miami, and they are all the way down at twenty six in the late, three and yep. six. So that even takes into account the three wins that they had, three and six minus five point two. It's a huge difference between those two sides. So I, not a bet I've made yet tonight, but absolutely the one side that I'm looking at tonight is Philly,
0: yeah. And like to your overall point, are there is there shame in some of the losses they've suffered? No. but I, I think when you're looking at Miami, it's look at some of these losses like as a whole like so, for example, let's go to the start of February. At New York, they close as a two-point favorite on the Mm -hmm. road against the New York Knicks. The Knicks are a quality team that at the worst rate equally to the Miami Heat. And yet the market is saying, no, there's a five-point difference between these two in a neutral. No, there's not. No, there isn't. And it's definitely not in favor of Miami if that's the case. What happens? (laughs) They lose the game outright. By how much? By two. So, like, against Milwaukee. On the road against Milwaukee. Five and a half. What happens in that one? They end up losing 123 to 115. Are you really telling me that there's only a two-and-a-half-point difference between Miami and Milwaukee? Again, we're using home court as three points this year. That's That that doesn't really jive. And so, again, as we get to this game, to your point, Philadelphia, five-and-a-half in some spots. Is there really only a two-and-a-half-point difference between Miami and Philadelphia? And a Miami team that tonight, keep in mind, might not have Tyler Hero or Kyle Lowry. That's the other part. Both are questionable to play today. <laughs> like, I, Yeah, I just... did I
2: see an upgrade on Hero? I thought okay. I saw that earlier.
0: Hold on. I'll, I'll double, double check. Yeah. Yeah. No, cause, I mean, that's just, that's my overall point. You're, Cause you're right. Is there any shame in losing some of these games? No, but it's the way the market has been pricing them, Total. which has been, which has been completely off all season. And it's one thing that I have kicked myself because big picture wise, did I bet against Miami and betting, you know, Atlanta to win that division? Yes. But should I have been betting against this team a lot more consistently on a night-to-night basis, given what I thought about them? Absolutely. You
2: know what? You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. I haven't bet on that, a bet against them nearly as much as I should have. Mm-hmm. You, you are absolutely correct on that. You and I circled this team, essentially circled this team from the beginning of a season as a fade team, but we did it in more futures bets and not as much night-to-night. You're right. That, that that's actually a failure on our part. It's a good, it's a good thing to recognize that. Hero did participate in shoot-around this morning. Okay. Um. I see a probable on Don Best, but it's still questionable officially.
0: Yeah. All right. So we'll see if uh, that changes at all. And if he participates and shoots around, pretty good shot that he's going to play.
2: So, so, I mean, I, but that's another thing. That's another thing, John, right? So these hey. guys, they're coming into the questionable with the questionable tags on these guys with the team. Okay. So what? The Sixers line's only going to get better in our favor, Correct. right? Like, that's not going to mo- keep me off from playing them.
0: The market always responds to general. I would say, generally, the market responds to these things. I will say, right, like we saw yesterday, Dallas and Los Angeles, that Anthony Davis and LeBron James, for some reason, there was like some question as to whether they were going to play. And they were announced that they were going to play. And the market didn't do anything. It, it got that, that had yeah. been bet up to like five in some spots, and there was no adjustment right by the time that game tipped off. But you're right, these are questionable tags. And generally, what we will see is they'll be announced as available. And that will that'll move like another point. So you're right. Like this could get to five, four and a half or five, or not four and a half. I, so mean, five I think and it half doesn't get.
2: Five. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it gets below five. But man, that's five's a bet on for me. It's a bet yep. on for me.
0: Absolutely. Yep. So there's so there's a couple of games that there that I think show like there's minimal value at least by my numbers right now. So the other that I think is really fascinating is Boston and New York, obviously for very many reasons. The new the Knicks have been playing really well, seven to one straight up and against the spread in their last eight games. They have Mitchell Robinson back on the floor. He has been back for the last two games, and he has been a steadying presence for their defense. Last two opponents, 107 defensive rating for the New York Knicks. So he's been really good on that. And so I think this is a really interesting game. This is why I'm excited to start incorporating like these breakdowns of these games more in the podcast because mm-hmm. you could talk about them as opposed to write about them. And the, and the angle I took in writing about this game today, Kelly, was – if you if you compare and contrast, you line you know line comparison in, in a similar matchup, which is these two teams. So they met on January 26th. Celtics were an eight and a half point favorite at home. Now that actually translates, right? Five and a half point difference on a neutral, because we're using three for if we're using a base three for home court this year. And of course, what does that mean? Two and a half point difference in New York. It's exactly what this opens up at, Boston minus two and a half. So you don't see a really big adjustment from when they last met at the end of January. However, there's a little bit of a key difference here, right? One, Mitchell Robinson's back. Yep. Two, Jalen Brown's not going to play. And Jalen yep. Brown played in that last game. So with Jalen Brown playing, or not playing, and Mitchell Robinson available, should there really just be this swing back to, okay, they were eight and a half there. There should be two and a half here. So anything, anyway, what I'm getting at is this number should be shorter. This should be Boston, like, minus one, one and a half, I think. Uh, we're, and the market has moved a little bit in that direction for New York. There are some twos popping up. It's back up to two and a half. I- I'd be very interested to see if there's any more movement back to Boston or excuse me, to New York, because the initial move was to New York. Again, it was twos painted across the board when I wrote the column this morning. It's now back to two and a half. I would say if it gets to three or higher for the uh, for the Knicks, I think it's worth a play on the Knicks. I, I think the market is kind of, I don't know, I don't know why there hasn't been enough of an adjustment here.
2: Yeah, it would be it would be Knicks or pass for me, but I think it's going to be a pass. This is, I don't know why, this Knicks team I just still can't, I can't get on board with completely. Yeah. I just, I don't know, but I, but I hear you. It's the it definitely wouldn't be a Celtics bet for me tonight. It would be Knicks or pass for sure.
0: Yeah. And the total right now, two twenty three and a half. That's what's painted across the board. That has been dropped down a two twenty-four and a half. So I just I like to do those comparisons and see what the market's done. And that's apparently according yeah. Right. You know, and according to this, like the last time they met, like, oh no, Jalen Brown's an addition of Mitch Robinson doesn't really matter. It's still power rated the same, and I just don't think that really makes uh that much sense. All right, the last two games, it's a short card. Um, see, there's the um again. I can't do it. <laughs> Detroit Pistons. Do you want to go Pistons at Hornets, or do you want to go Magic at Pelicans first? I would
2: say Pistons. I, I mean, I don't think it really matters. We, I think we could get through both of these quick. Do you? I mean, do you like? I I usually read your article every morning. I didn't this morning. I do you actually like either one of these games? I mean, God, this Pistons Hornets uh, matchup is just god awful. Yeah. But I, there's no. There's no way I'm laying six and a half, seven points with the freaking Hornets.
0: No. Uh, I, it, I, I, I think that there's the interesting angle that I wrote about here. Charlotte is 0 2 straight up against the spread against Detroit. Uh, they played on February 3rd. Detroit beat them 118, 112 at home. The Pistons have actually been pretty good offensively against Charlotte. The, the issue for Detroit, which is that this is easily scratched, uh, you know, a game to easily scratch off. Bojan Bogdanovich, Isaiah Seward are questionable. Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran are already listed as out. They could have three of their starting five from Saturday not playing, and they were awful on Friday and Saturday against Toronto. This is an easy one to scratch off. I think the mark, the number's a little too high, but am yeah. I going to go to bat with the Pistons that aren't going to have Isaiah Stewart or Jaden Ivey or, or Bojan McDonavich? No, nah, I'm good. I won't put myself through that, but I think that's what you're looking at. Injury report wise, it's, it makes it an easy one to scratch away.
2: Yeah, I have no like who's who are you getting points from on that team tonight? Like
0: that yeah. guy. Like, I think you, you go. I think you would go like a Killian Hayes points total, points, assists, and rebounds prop, or yeah. just points and assists over if just you want to back be the involved Pistons, in everything right? A little bit. Yeah. Because he's going to have a high volume of shot share because nobody else is going to be available, especially with Ivy not out there, and if Bogdanovich isn't going to play, he's that's going to be pretty big. Yeah. So yeah. oh, he's officially out now. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's so, officially out. It looks there like. There you go. So that is uh, that's a little bit of a problem. I mean,
2: that is one of those where it's it's look, is there a betting opportunity there? Hell yeah. Right? Like there's points have to be scored by someone on that team, and it probably is Correct. a player prop I'd look at. I just don't really know who to tell you. I would actually bet. You're probably right. Something based around Killian A's is probably the most intelligent thing to do, but I'm not running, I'm not running to make any of those yep.
0: bets tonight. Last game on the board, Orlando on the road against New Orleans. This opened Pelicans three and a half, total of two twenty-six and a half. Current number as we record right now is Pelicans four total of two twenty-seven. Uh, my angle when I wrote about this one this morning was just that I actually I think the market's a little short. So you're always looking for I always talk about selling high and buying low on teams. It's yep. a phrase that I use ad nauseum, but I think it does make sense. And I think this is a buy low opportunity for New Orleans. And again, using just that about key about as low of, as you're gonna get. Yep. Right, right, using that key of three. Are the Pelicans, even as currently constructed with their schedules, only about a half point better than the Orlando Magic on a neutral? And I would say still that gap is a little bit wider. Yeah. Uh, Right. I made this just above four and a half and closer to five. And so three and a half, you know, is there a little bit of value there? Yes. The market moved like I thought it would. It's four now across the board. Not anything strong enough to play, but I think the market's right in coming in behind New Orleans. I think this is a buy low spot for him.
2: Yeah, I do too. This could this could be a game I'd be interested in getting in live uh, yeah. on the Pelican side. You're, you're, you're right. I think that's there's no, there's nothing going on with this team right now to excite you to go and bet on them. But you're absolutely right that overall, on a neutral and what the spread should be, as far as what talent on these teams truly is, it should be it should be bigger than what yeah. it is. So this, this should probably be a five point spread, if not more.
0: Right. Yep. And right when I line with it, pretty much what I made it. So um, all right, that's it. That's boring schedule today. Only four games. Weird yeah, for a Monday. Is. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully we'll Monday talk
2: on these be awards better. real quick. We, yes. Yeah, before we get out of movement.
0: here, yeah. uh, before we get out of here, let's do it. First off the awards. Cause you brought this up first. So let's give you the floor on the, uh, what's the awards market adjustment that stuck out to you or that was brought up to you.
2: I don't really, I don't really have much. I just got some tweets today about, Whoa, what happened to the most improved player of the year market? I'm just looking at DraftKings right now, Larry marketing all the way down to minus two fifty. uh, We've got so him at minus two fifty, SGA at plus two forty. Who I'm heavily invested in, uh, and then Jalen Brunson four to one. I mean, it really is a three horse race now. Look, I'm done betting this market. That's for sure because I do think. I mean, what I it, it took me longer than most to come around to this, but yes, I absolutely think Brunson's live in this live in this market now. I just, I mean, yes, SGA. What did he miss the last two games now? I mm-hmm. think it is. Okay, he's missed two games, but is that is that is this why we're moving marketing all the way to minus two fifty? I mean, I understand that the the season's shortening and we have less and less time. So these odds are gonna get uh you know uh shorter on these guys, but man, I that seems like a big move over just the course of a couple games. Again, yeah. I'm I'm am I'm done betting it, but I just wanted to bring this
0: up. No, I agree. And as somebody whose ticket is pretty much dead, Ty- I don't think Tyrese Halliburton should be dead, but he is. Um dang, there's the um again. Now I got it in my head, and now I can't stop pointing it <laughs> yeah, out.
2: Yeah, you
0: always so, think about it all the time. Yeah, uh, here it is. Uh, so with Tyrese, he should not be eliminated. With Shay as somebody who only has one ticket in this pool, I will say I'm tempted to go bet Shay Gilge-Alexander, somebody who does not have a dog in the fight yet. Yeah, Let's, We'll see if this grows. I keep seeing we use – I see the collective we. We use odds and uh, betting markets to kind of – like we we, we we view them as almost infallible. So what I mean by that is sure, is you'll see people look at it and go, oh, Larry market is going to win. The market's moving in that direction. You can't do that with awards. These are not yeah. predictive. A lot of these are based on liability more than anything else. It's probably building up on Larry Markkinen, which is why you see that price move. So I, I think – I mean, look, Kelly, it's a great example. Russell Westbrook was over a $2 favorite at one point to win the Sixth mm-hmm. Man of the Year award. He's not going to sniff it. These are not – priced the the way a game would be. So I'll give you an yeah. example for anybody if I'm, I'm confusing you with my dribbling here.
2: No, no, go back no. To, you're
0: making more sense than I was. So go back to like the yesterday, okay? The Phoenix Suns are playing the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks open up as three-point favorites. It gets down to like two because there's questions about Giannis. All of a sudden, the number spikes to like four and a half, five, and you're like, oh, that must mean there's somebody playing. Those are the things that you're looking for because that gives you an idea that information is coming. This is not the same thing in awards. Correct. This is just based on liability. So that's the, that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> with all yeah, my dabbling. No,
2: no, no. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then the other one worth noting is six is six man. You brought this up too. It's another it's another one just same yep. kind of see same kind of thing. We're sliding more towards Malcolm Brogdon. He's minus two twenty, Norm Powell plus three hundred, Tyres Maxey plus plus four fifty. And then I think rightfully so, the odds makers have now adjusted Russell Westbrook to twenty five to one. I think we're gonna see him continue uh to, to go up and out of the picture, right? And, and yeah, so I think this
0: happen. is and I think too, so I want to get we should probably get josh applebaum on here at some point to get his thoughts because i saw him you know give out malcolm brogdon uh i think it was i think it was actually jj reddick's new show which i don't know how josh made that connect but let's go look (laughs) it up let's get jj on the pod um but he gave out brogdon and you know he uses his system that he does and reading the market and the liability and whatnot. I think when it comes to awards, and I would this is not me calling out Josh; this is more if I'd like to pick his brain on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a flawed way to do it with awards, because I, I think we have seen multiple instances which the awards market gets mispriced because of liability, and we have a lot of examples. Whether it, I, brought, I brought these up to but these two up before, I'll bring them up again. Jeremy Grant was minus five fifty to win Most Improved Player the year that Julius Randall won it. Yeah. The uh, right uh, Harden was that, yeah. my, Harden was minus five dollars to win MVP the year that Giannis won it the first time. So. If you're basing your handicap like that based on liability and you think that that's going to be true, I would very much guard against that. And I do think that, again, the market's kind of forgetting that there's a six minute of the year candidate averaging 20 points per game in the month of February and was closing out teams or closing out games for his team before his coach decided to do some weird (laughs) stuff over the last two. So Norm Powell is still very much live. But I I think those are the two that very much worth mentioning from a market standpoint. And just really quickly that you can find Giannis Antetokounmpo at 11 to one with MVP over at MGM.
2: Yeah, you brought that up before the show, man. I, I think I'm gonna have to end up getting in. <laughs>
0: I'm about to, I'm about to brave a blizzard, right? I'm stuck out in Cali. We're about to drive back to Las Vegas once we're done recording this. My first stop will be at MGM. It won't be at home. It'll be at there MGM to, to to bet Giannis to the Cuba. I'm gonna tell my family, stay in the car real quick. I gotta get out.
2: Yeah, it's getting long, man. I, I, I think I don't even. You and I didn't even get a chance to talk about this, but man, I, I probably read into this too much, but I read into the fact that, uh, uh, the, the. NBA all-star draft about Joel Embiid right going first to Nikola Jokic going second to last yep. I mean I know the players don't come in it's not like they're voting on this award but man I, I think that I think at least from the player side of the thing I think that showed you a little bit more of what they think of kind of you know the landscape of the best players in the NBA right now it, you know and we're all three of those guys staggering it I think it's I don't want to take away anything from Nikola Jokic because especially for guys like you and me, JVT, when we dive hard into the stats and analytics and stuff like that, this guy's been amazing the past three seasons. and He probably rightfully deserves every single one of those awards that he's gotten and going to get most likely. But, man, I think it's – I don't know. I think there are some people like me that are going to say, what's the difference between MVP and best player? Right, the best player on this freaking planet is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm sorry, he has been for years. He is in my mind. It will continue to be. You got to pick five guys off the street to start a game with to go win an NBA championship. He's your number one pick every single time. Joel Embiid is probably second. I, 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 think, I think that's the way it goes. If we we just if we throw out all the numbers, that's where my mind goes to. So, um, look, Giannis is still putting up great numbers, and in fact, at this point, uh, eleven to one, it might be a little too much for me to pass up. To,
0: yep. Absolutely. Also, uh, Jokic's number of uh, arms looking extra bloody yesterday against the uh, yeah. Los Angeles Clippers. And I'm going to call it. He's a stat patter waits. He waits for his last assist to come with no time left so he can make this stupid trend. What are they now like? 26 and oh, when he gets a triple double, he knew what he was doing. He knew so, he was holding so. on for that last assist until he knew the game <laughs> was over. And then he threw up a lob to Bruce Brown so that he it could be 26 and 0 when he gets a triple double. The most meaningless stat now ever. He's a stat patter. It's over.
2: Is, is it safe to say, Jvt, this is the first year in only the past month or two that you've started to hear that about him?
0: I like. Oh I, yeah. And by the way, I'm being facetious for everybody listening. No, I, no I,
2: I know. But isn't it funny how that is? Like people are saying that now, and I'm like, dude, what? Like I don't like I I don't think I've ever looked at him that way, nor am I ever going to look at him that right. way. Like it's, I, I, dude, he's for you. People got to remember for the past couple years, he's basically had to be the whole damn team, right? Like I I mean, he hasn't had the help from Murray and Porter Jr. who've been shelved from injuries, right? Like he hasn't had that. I mean, even this year, as well as they're doing. It's still so much him with those guys continuing to work back into the into the fold.
0: Mm hmm. No, hey, I'm, I'm really interested. But either way, market, again, mispriced. Giannis, I think, has the second most probable candidate to win MVP this year. Yes. Not Joel Embiid. And at 11 to 1, definitely worth uh, taking a flyer on with him. Well, and, and we price. saw
2: that from the. I don't want to overvalue the Bontemps bond uh, uh, straw
0: poll, but that's what we saw in it. Which well, right? was that Embiid didn't get any love. Giannis did. But here's Kelly. You don't want to overvalue it. The market, that's what I thought was fascinating about it, and I brought this up because you weren't on the episode. The market adjusted to the poll with Jokic, making yes. him a minus 250 favorite, but it did nothing with Giannis. Yes, correct. Even right, So it, it looked at it and said, oh, okay, we'll make Jokic the big favorite, but it did nothing in terms of, oh, yeah, by the way, our second guy on the board. In, in fact, since then, yeah, in it's theory, gotten shorter but- for some reason, it, it, or it's gotten longer for some reason. Exactly. And I, and I, just, I in have theory, not really understood that. Yep, yeah. exactly. Absolutely. All right, so for those who are still with us, uh, so to recap, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll be doing these now with more of a look at what the day schedule is on top of our general topics that we usually hit up as well. Uh, some recaps of the night before, too. So it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun doing it in this format. So look for these again on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Kelly is going to be on twice a week now, so that'll be a lot of fun as well. With that, like, rate, review, subscribe. Check out everything we uh, have up on the website at com vcin.com and com slash jvt, because those write-ups are still up there, too. For a little bit more granular analysis on what we're talking about here. Till then, we'll talk to you on Wednesday here on Hardwood Handicappers.